0: Hello, this is Dan Bender, executive producer of the Singles Podcasting
1: Network. Today, I'm excited to present Single Living, a podcast that brings you straight talk on everything that concerns today's singles, including relationships, dating, travel, and financial security. Single Living is hosted by Rich Goss, a well-respected expert in the singles industry. He is the author of eight books on dating and has lectured on the subject in over 50 colleges and universities. Rich is frequently interviewed by the news media, including Oprah, CNN, Fox News, and The Wall Street Journal, to name just a few. And now, here's the host of Single Living, Rich Goss. My guest today is Robin Gorman Newman, author of How to Marry a Mensch The Love Coach's Guide to Finding Your Mate. Welcome, Robin.
2: Hi, Rich. How are you?
1: Good. What is a mensch? For those people who are not Jewish or are not from New York City, what is a mensch?
2: A mensch is a decent, responsible person, and I'd like to add, who even your mother would love. (laughs) And it's a man or a woman, too, I'd like to say.
1: Now, the person that your mother would select for you to marry, though, wouldn't be somebody you would be happy with, would Would it?
2: Well, that's a million-dollar question, Rich, and, you know, it depends on the kind of mother, I guess, that you have. Yes. In a perfect world, you would be in agreement, but that's certainly not always true.
1: Well, of course, traditionally around the world, the mothers and the fathers are the ones that do all the matchmaking, certainly in India in particular. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you think that uh, matchmaking by parents is a good thing, or do you think that the last person in the world you should marry is the one that your mother recommends?
2: You know, it's tough. I think it depends on the the history of the situation. I mean, you're right in saying that certain countries do have that tradition, and maybe where that exists, they're better at doing it than in other places like the United States where it's not so traditional, and parents might have their own belief system, which doesn't necessarily agree with yours. So I do think it's ideal if you can decide for yourself.
1: And what about the traditional Yenta coming from Israel? But of course, there are a lot of matchmakers here in the United States. Does matchmaking work?
2: matchmaking can work. I mean, I think it's a little bit tricky because people often think that if they go to a matchmaker, it's going to solve all their problems and they're going to meet the one. And there certainly are some that do a good job, but I always urge people to proceed a little bit with caution because some matchmakers do charge a lot of money and they don't always have enough men to go around. So I think you do have to do your homework.
1: Yeah, that seems to be the big problem with the matchmaking companies and with the dating services around the country, whereas the dating websites tend to have more men than women. And the reverse is true if you go to a matchmaker, you tend to have a lot of female clients, very few appropriate men to match them up with.
2: That's exactly right. I've heard that often from my clients, and I'm actually a big fan of internet dating. As long as you go to a reliable site like unmatch.com, you know, for example, AmericanSingles.com, JDate if you're Jewish. I mean, there's quite a number to pick from. And I've had a lot of my love coaching clients have had success that way. I just think it's important that you proceed carefully again and also creatively because people tend to be in a hurry and they think, oh, I'm just going to post my photo, I'm just going to post my profile and be done. But it requires a lot more thought than that and you really want to stand out from the crowd as best you can.
1: I think your point is well taken. I think people sometimes are a little bit too casual about dating on the internet. and They don't realize that any way you choose to find your romantic partner is going to involve a lot of effort, a lot of time, and sometimes a lot of expense. There's no real quick, easy, cheap way to find the love of your life.
2: I totally agree with that. And On the internet, I think the key is to really take the time to post a photo that's appealing. That represents you in the way that you would like to be perceived, and that's the first step because people judge by photos. And then beyond that, when you're writing about yourself, you don't want to think of it as posting a resume. It really should have some color, some personality. The goal is to attract, not just to get it done and be up there and then complain afterwards that it's not working (laughs) for you because I really believe if it's not working, there's a reason.
1: Right. Getting back to the mensch, how would you identify a mensch, and why should you marry one?
2: Well, I'm married to a mensch, so speaking from personal (laughs) experience, I think it's the way to go, but ideally, a mensch will stand the test of time, and you can tell that somebody is a mensch by the way they treat you. Are they being respectful? Are they doing what they say they're going to do? Do you feel like they're playing games? Do you feel equally as confident in between the dates as you do on the date? And for me, this is kind of a big point and one of the things that I say in my book a lot, How to Marry a Mensch, is that I think you don't want to just judge for the moment that you're with someone because it's so easy to feel that passion, that cloud nine feeling. But cloud eight is nothing to sneeze at either. And I say that in jest, but, you know, it's really true because if you're feeling – crazy anxiety in between the dates, and you're wondering, is he going to call again? I really like him. Does he like me? If you're asking yourself all these questions, then maybe it's not the right situation for you. Maybe you, you don't feel the way that you should about dating this person, and maybe what you're thinking is passion. is actually stress <laughs> that you're bringing on because of the uncertainty of the relationship.
1: Well, you know, there's an old saying that opposites attract, but they don't stay together. Right. I, I think that's pretty much what you're saying here. Sometimes we're very passionately attracted to somebody who's really inappropriate for us. Maybe yeah. we need to find somebody with whom we share some compatibility.
2: Exactly. You know, step back and really assess what do we want out of life? What kind of person is this? Is there someone I could see, you know, spending the rest of my life with through the good and the bad? Because it's not all just happy, fun times. You know, is this somebody who I can feel comfortable with over time? How do I feel about his family? And, you know, that can be a little bit tricky. But as long as there's respect there, you know, that's the most important thing.
1: And where do you meet a mensch? Not just in New York City, but anywhere in the world.
2: I think you have to pursue interest-oriented activities. You know, I'm not a big fan of just doing singles stuff. I mean, certainly singles dances and websites, as we've discussed, etc. you know, all have their place. But I think it's really important to just also get out there and, and try new things, break old patterns. If you've done the same thing for the last 10 years and it hasn't worked for you, right. it's time to shake it up a little bit.
1: It's amazing to me, Robin, how many people have a failed strategy. They've never mm-hmm. met anybody special in all the years they've used whatever method they're using and yet it doesn't occur to them that maybe they should change strategies.
2: Well, I think it's easy for people to wallow sometimes, Rich. And I've seen that a lot. You know, many people not that they enjoy it, but it's easy to play the victim role because if you can say to yourself then, well, you know, I've done this, I've done that, I've really tried, there are no good people out there. Then you can't take responsibility for your efforts or lack thereof. Yeah, it's just and amazing. I think
1: you- it's amazing to me how pessimistic people are, how cynical they are about the dating yeah. pool. You know, especially women out here in the San Francisco area where I live. You know, you hear women all the time saying, "You know, there are seven single women for every single man in San Francisco," and it's such a crazy statistic because if you walk mm-hmm. down the streets of San Francisco, you see approximately fifty percent men, fifty percent women. <laughs> but but somehow right. women have these these crazy ideas that there are no men out there, uh, yeah. except of course gay men or married men, and that you know all the <laughs> single men are losing. And they come up with these wild statistics and these wild, cynical uh, viewpoints that have no basis in fact. Although, to be honest, your town of New York City is obviously the toughest town, I think, to meet a mensch, only because there are 700,000 surplus single women in the city of New York.
2: Well, New York is definitely overwhelming. I mean, there's no question. But the upside to that is there are so many choices. Right. That there is, You could go out every night of the week if you chose to, and I'm not suggesting that you should, <laughs> but there is no end to what you might pursue. So it's really hard, if you think about it, to step back and say, well, there's no good people out here because, you know, there sure are. I mean, if you're talking <laughs> about a numbers game, right. there's no shortage in New York. Right. So the only excuse you have really is not to get real with yourself. Yes. And I urge people to do that. You know, there's a big difference, Rich, and I, I make this point in my book as well, between acting like you want to get married and just thinking that you want to get married.
1: All right, tell us the distinction there.
2: Well, you know, the average single person, and I'm sure that you've found this, if you ask somebody, they would say, yeah, I want to get married, of course. I mean, what single person would probably say, no, I don't want to get married. Right. So, okay, so given that, we assume that they're going to pursue all kinds of social events and get out there and do all this great stuff. But that's so often not true because then when I, I ask my clients, okay, so what are you doing to try to get out there? When was the last social event that you went to or the last dates that you had? It's amazing to me how often people can't even remember <laughs> what it was. Yes. So I say to them, Well, you know, given that, do you really feel like you're acting like you want to get married? How are you acting that way by not going out? Or not giving people a chance, even if you are going out? Are you judging someone in the first five seconds? Are you walking into a room without even really surveying the territory you know, carefully and slowly to see if there are prospects for you? Or are you just making a gut reaction? You walked in, you walked out, not a good event. Well, how is that acting like you're going to get married?
1: Right. Well, that happens all the time at my events. I do over 100 events a year for singles, and it's amazing mm-hmm. to me how you know somebody will walk in and, and five seconds later walk out. And, you know, there might be several hundred people in the room. They're all single. They're all looking to meet new friends. And, you know, surely somewhere in that room there would be somebody that you could have at least an enjoyable conversation with. You don't necessarily have to marry them. But it seems like single people are so judgmental and have such impossibly high standards that it makes it next to impossible for them to ever connect with a real human being at a party.
2: Well, people do have standards, and you're right. And I think people also have expectations. And that's the hard part because when you go out, you know, you are it's so easy to hope that tonight's going to be the night. It's the last time I have to go out. I'm going to find someone tonight. I'm going to wear my best outfit or whatever. And then if it doesn't work, then you're burnt out, you're depressed, you know, all those negative things. But let's turn that around and let's take a look at your behavior, you know, at the event and how friendly were you, you know, when you were there? Did you really put your best foot forward or do you just feel like you did merely by being there?
1: And did it's you smile, the big question, well, exactly. of course,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Did, did you smile, because so many people walk into these parties, they have this horrible expression on their face, and almost yeah. all night long it's like they're daring you to come over and talk <laughs> to them, and you know they're exactly. going to bite your head off, and they wonder why nobody asked them to dance.
2: Exactly, because it's so evident that they really don't want to be there. Yes, And the truth is that, you know, a lot of people don't enjoy this kind of stuff. And and that's understandable. It's certainly not easy, and I'm not making light of it by any means. But I think you and I are agreeing that if you're taking the time to be there, then make it as worth your while as possible. And whether you meet someone or not, at least be able to say that I sincerely tried tonight. Right. And if it's smiling, as you said, you know, flirting, having a prop so somebody might be attracted to you, you know, looking like you're open to conversation, don't stand with your arms closed and negative body language, all of this makes a difference.
1: Really basic stuff, but it's amazing how people don't think of these things. You know, I have to have a smile on my face, even if I feel yeah. afraid. I have to be approachable. I have to have the good body language. I can't be crossing my arms and crossing my legs or hiding that's behind that. a table. Which, of course, the other thing, uh, my <laughs> pet peeve is, you know, the women come into a, a singles party or a bar or whatever, and the first thing they ask themselves is, where can I hide? And they find yeah. a table that's farthest away from the action, you know, behind a pillar, hopefully, so that nobody can see them. And then they yeah. I wonder why the other women who are sitting or standing at the bar or who are, you know, seated next to the dance floor are getting everybody to ask them to dance and nobody's asking uh, the person hiding in the corner. I mean it's really mm-hmm. obvious common sense stuff, but you know, the old saying that there's nothing common about common sense is just That's amazing. Right. Just amazing how many foolish, you know, little mistakes single people seem to make in social situations that get in the yep. way of achieving their goal.
2: That's right, because if you're there already anyway and you went to the trouble to go out, you know why not really maximize your opportunity?
1: Exactly. But
2: but people often don't.
1: Right. Well, we've talked so far, Robin, about meeting a mensch at a singles event or party or perhaps online. Where else do you meet a mensch? Do you have a favorite place to recommend to your clients that's a good place to meet a good quality man or, for that matter, a good quality woman?
2: Yeah, I'm actually a big fan of volunteer work. I think anything nonprofit-oriented, yes. you know, clearly a mensch would also be somebody with a big heart and somebody right. who has an interest in community and helping others. And I think, to me, there's no better way than through benevolence. You know, yes. either joining a nonprofit group, volunteering, and that can be done in different ways, Rich. I mean, when I say that, that can also mean, you know, working for underprivileged, per se, if you're joining that kind of group. But another way to view that is to also work for the organization itself, yes. meaning that lots of nonprofit groups actually have socials or fundraisers. Right. So not only can you possibly work for the people that the group serves, but you can actually help to plan a fundraiser by getting on a committee, for example, right. that would make it more social for you so that when you actually go to that fundraiser to support the organization, you already walk in potentially knowing some people because you've played a role
1: to share a story with you robin my board of directors of american singles education inc the first year that uh, we had our board of directors we had nine people on the board two of the people on the board had to resign cuz they married each other within a year
2: oh, great <laughs> and and, Wonderful. and so many
1: people i tell them if you want to meet somebody at a party the best way to do it is to volunteer and be at the front yep. desk where everybody's registering in you know, i tell the women you're going to meet every man at the party if you help us <laughs> register people at the front door and you don't have to pay exactly. the price of admission and That's some right. of these some of these charity balls uh, can be quite expensive in New York or San Francisco.
2: Yes. That's another good reason to volunteer too because you save the money. Right. And and
1: you even mention in your book uh, How to Marry a Mensch, you mentioned that you can socialize on a shoestring budget. How do you do that?
2: Well, that would be one good example is to volunteer, as we said. But, you know, other things are even to go to your local synagogue or church to partake in workshops they might sponsor. You know, most of the time they cost nothing or or they're quite inexpensive. I'm also a big fan of spirituality. I have a whole section on that in my book as well. And, for example, in the town where I live, there's a wonderful place where you can go to meditate. Uh And they have all kinds of workshops that talk about, you know, how to stay calm. And, you know, certainly for single people, I mean, this would be a benefit because being single can be stressful. And this particular place that has an office in New York City as well, and actually chapters throughout the world, doesn't charge for their services.
1: Yeah, that's the other amazing thing, Rob. And everybody thinks that uh, things have to be expensive in life and you get what you pay right. for and all these crazy myths. And the fact of the matter is it really is true that the best things in life are free. And just yeah. uh, you know, walking in the park with your dog, for example, might be yep. the best way to meet somebody. I, I'm sure that's one of the flirting techniques you recommend, one of the props, I is do. to have a dog with you.
2: Yes, dogs are people magnets. I say that all the time. If you don't have one, then borrow one. and <laughs> Yeah, and spend an afternoon in Central Park if you're in the city, for example. Yes. It's, uh, it's wonderful. And same Which thing with babies. Other, right? Well, babies, yeah. Well, babies can be tricky because you have to make it clear it's not yours. <laughs> right. So that's the only thing with a baby.
1: But But everybody wants to talk to you. Everybody wants to see the baby. You can explain yep. very quickly, this is my sister's baby or whatever.
2: Exactly, Exactly. and there's a lot of other, you know, getting back to your shoestring question, you know, many other inexpensive things that you can do, like even going to lectures at libraries, right. you know, those are free, bookstores have all kinds of wonderful lectures if you want to meet other single people, go to a lecture by someone like myself who's written a book for singles, you know, you know the audience right. is going to be single. And it doesn't cost you anything to do that. So there's so many things that you can do that cost almost nothing. And it's also partly just seizing the moment. You know, Rich, I think a lot of it has to do with attitude.
0: Because you
2: could even meet somebody if you're serving jury duty, for (laughs) example. I know someone who met her husband on the Long Island Railroad commuting into work. Right. So you really, I think it's a lot. I talk about in my book about the three rights, which is the right place. The right time and the right attitude and to me the right attitude is just always kind of being ready always being open-minded always being aware that anything is possible to smile as you said earlier and to just look approachable because you don't know when somebody might want to come up to you and and it could be when you least expect
1: it right so you always have to be prepared like they teach you in the boy scouts and the girl scouts
2: yeah. Oh, sure. I also recommend having a card, you know, whether it's a business card or a little personal calling card that perhaps you make up for yourself. Because the problem with some of these situations is, you know, they can be quite fleeting. Yes. So if you're on the train, for example, and you're both jumping off, you know, at different stops and someone yes. catches your eye and it feels like it might be a love connection, it'd be great to just whip that card out and, you know, pop it in their hand. Because if you're looking for the pen and paper, yes. you know, before you know it, the opportunity could be lost.
1: I love the business card suggestion, and it always shocks me that uh, so few women uh, carry a business card with them. You know, most yeah. men do, or at least a lot of men do have a business card, and it's real easy at a party to hand it to an attractive woman. But a lot of women come to these parties either they don't have a business card or they don't bring their business cards with them, and then you have to look for a soggy napkin to write the the, the phone <laughs> exactly. number down. And then the woman's surprised when a week later that you know the guy hasn't called yet. Well, he can't even read on the soggy napkin. <laughs>
0: True.
2: So, so be prepared. You're right. Well, that relates back to what I said—the whole acting, you know, like you want to get married. I mean, these are great tips that we're giving people to put yourself in a situation where you're prepared, because you don't know, you know, when it's going to happen.
1: And look your best when you go out—a real obvious suggestion. Yeah.
2: Always, exactly. And I think also, you know, I mentioned the three rights and one of the ones I wanted to bring up was the right time. Because I think people need to be really conscious of that you need to want the same thing as the other person at the same time. And it doesn't matter, unfortunately, how crazy you might feel like you are about each other. If you're ready to get married and he's not or vice versa, it's not going to work. So you have to be on the same page, and that's a really important thing when you're dating somebody, because otherwise you're going to waste a lot of time.
1: Timing is critical in everything in life, be it a business opportunity or romantic opportunity, timing is everything. Very much so. Now, you mentioned in your book, Flirting Like a Pro. How do the pros
2: do it? Well, we mentioned earlier about having a prop, and I think yes. that's really key. You know, With flirting, it's, the easier you can make it for someone to approach you, the better off you'll be. So if that means going out wearing an interesting scarf, a pin, a hat, or let's say you're going to a gym, you know, someplace casual, wear a T-shirt with a logo that reflects something about you. Maybe it's a school that you went to or your favorite Broadway show or your favorite musical group or whatever it is. So somebody can see it and say, hey, you know, I like that too. And before you know it, there's a conversation going and you made it easy because you gave them something to address. So to me, having a prop is really key. And a dog fits that bill as well, as we talked about. Right. Other than that, it's really being open, not surrounding yourself by the troops. And that's a big point that I make in my book. If you're going out, it's one thing to take the girlfriends or guy friends along. But don't be glued at the hip the whole night. Have a strategy where you split up and then you can meet again later in the evening. Because how would somebody flirt with you if you're standing around, you know, like a a pack?
1: Very intimidating. intimidating. That's the thing that don't seem to to understand the male psychology. They don't realize how frightening it is for a man to walk up to a table full of women, all strangers... Pick one woman out and ask her to dance or to buy her a cup of coffee. It takes incredible courage for a man to do that. And uh, a lot of women just don't get it that if they are there with yeah. their bodyguards, they call them friends, I call them bodyguards, yeah. the purpose of your bodyguards is to make sure that you don't meet a mensch. And that's really what happens when you surround yourself with your friends. I tell them, go to the party exactly. alone. Or like you say, if you go to the party with your friends, that's okay. But then split up and you know, for the next hour you, know, you can uh, have a rule that you don't come within 15 feet yeah. of each other.
2: Exactly, because otherwise, you know, somebody may see you and, and even think that you're not approachable because you're so surrounded they can't get in there and they might even wonder, does this person even really want to meet somebody because they're not acting like they do
1: Right, and I talked to the guys about this, and I, and I asked them, you know, why don't you go over and, and talk to that woman over there? Because he'll tell me he finds her attractive. And he says, oh, well, you know, she's in the middle of a conversation right now. I'm going to wait for a lull in the conversation. Well, you and I know, Robin, there's never a lull in the conversation when the woman is out there with her girlfriends. Yeah. They talk nonstop all night long. And truly, <laughs> a man has to be rude in order to meet one of these women. You literally cannot politely just uh, stand around and wait for your opportunity. The opportunity will never yeah. come. At some point, you have to be rude. And butt into that conversation. And women just don't seem to get that. That, uh, you know, men like to be polite and they don't like to intrude. So the secret is don't be talking to anybody. Be approachable. And and it's a little scary for a lot of women. And I can understand that as well. You know, it's a cruel world out there and there are a lot of bad guys out there. And, you know, certainly there's safety in numbers and it's a lot safer to go to an event, especially at night if you have your bodyguards with you. But you're not going to meet any men if all you do is, is talk to your bodyguards.
2: That's right. And I think a lot of it is trusting your instinct. You know, we talked earlier, how do you recognize a mensch? And I think very often it's just a gut reaction, Rich. And I, I tell people, you know, if someone seems weird right, trust and they're feeling like they're weird, yes, they probably ahead. are weird so go with that exactly you know if you have any doubt and you're questioning is this someone i want to give my number to or is this someone i've connected with on the internet and i don't know if i want to meet them if you have two seconds of any serious concern the answer is no you don't want to meet them don't give out your number you're not under any obligation and i I think it's important to be able to trust yourself and that's where women can feel insecure because if you're not confident about your judgment then you're not going to be sure, you know, if if you've connected with a mensch or not. And the spirituality that I mentioned earlier in the meditation can actually help a lot with that because it can help you get more in touch with yourself, getting a little bit quiet and helping you to understand what's really important to you and learning to trust your instincts. I think if more people did that, they might make better judgment calls when it comes to dating.
0: How do
1: you avoid tunnel vision when you socialize? A lot of single people have that problem of using tunnel vision at every social situation.
2: Yeah, well, tunnel vision is a challenging thing because we all have certain standards and we all think that we know the type you know, of person that is best for us. We also think that we know the place that's best for us. But it's really important to try new things, to challenge yourself. If things haven't worked for you in the last you know, 10 years, as I said earlier, it's time to shake that up, both in terms of where you're going, but also the kind of person that you're choosing. It's amazing how many people over and over again choose the same type and they wonder why it hasn't worked out for them. And in my new book, I have a lot of exercises for people, and I urge them to really write down, you know, what do you feel that you have to offer someone, and what is it that you're looking for in a person, and see what this looks like on paper, because I think it could actually be surprising to a lot of people when you see it in writing. It's like, wow, I'm really looking for a lot of stuff. You know, Maybe my standards are a little out of the ballpark here and maybe I should cut that list in half and focus on what I really need to be able to live with in a mate and not just what I think I'm seeking in this perfect world because there is no perfect person.
1: Right. I call that the non-negotiable list. You take your gigantic wish list your fantasy list of all the qualities that you look for in a romantic partner and then you cut it down to a more reasonable non-negotiable list. Non-negotiable list has all the things you need in order to be happy with somebody for the rest of your life. And if you run into a guy or a woman who is missing even one quality on the non-negotiable list, they're out whereas your fantasy list, you know, they might be missing 30 things on your fantasy yes. list, but they still could be somebody you could be happy with for the rest of your life.
2: Exactly. You know, we can't get it all and nobody offers it all either. And you want to do a reality check about yourself too and see, you know, what kind of person am I? You know, what do I offer to somebody? You know, do I have the right attitude? Do I have a good outlook toward life? Is someone going to want to be with me? Or am I needy? You know, am I, do I want to get married for the right reasons? Am I afraid of being alone? Or do I have a confidence within myself that I feel secure, but I recognize that life might be nice to have a mate? And that's a very different reason than to get married, you know, because you feel like you should or because you're frightened versus just wanting it to enhance your life.
1: Speaking of marriage, Robin, how do you recognize a not marriage-ready guy so that you don't waste a lot of precious dating time?
2: Yeah, well, that's a really good question, and I I think a lot of that is trusting your gut, but I, I also bring it back to the point that I mentioned earlier. Take a look at how you feel in between the dates. I remember one of my close friends years ago, and I I said this back in my single days to her when she was dating and she's now married, but she even remembers that I said this to her and she thought it was so wise that she was having this great time with this particular guy on all these dates that she was going on, but in between the dates she was going nuts and she obviously had this anxiety that she wasn't really sure if he was treating her to all these wonderful things because of her, or just because he was going to go anyway. And eventually they wound up breaking up, and I suggested to her all along that the feeling that I had was that he was going to go whether he was taking her or not. She was coming along for the ride, but it really wasn't about her. So I think you have to try to step back and see, is this person behaving this way because of you? Or are you just sort of arm candy, so to speak, and they just want to get out there and go to parties and do this great stuff? And if it wasn't you, they'd be asking somebody else. And if the answer to that is it could be anybody, then, you know, that's your, that's the answer right there, that they're not really ready for anything because they're just having a good time. You shouldn't have to question someone's behavior, Rich. It's really not that complicated if you learn to choose carefully.
1: Now, Robin, how can people get in touch with you?
2: I have a website, www.lovecoach.com, and there's information on my book there, How to Marry a Mensch." I also offer private consultations to singles to help someone lead a good social life, and I'd be happy to answer questions, and copies of my book can be purchased through the website as well.
1: Excellent. I'd like to thank my guest, Robin Gorman Newman, author of How to Marry a Mensch." Single Living is a production of the Singles Podcasting Network in San Rafael, California. If you have any comments or suggestions about Single Living, feel free to email us at comments at singlespodcastingnetwork.com. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, this is your host, Rich Goss.